I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome everyone back to the return of the show. I am Ben and with me as always for this show is my co-host Alex. Hello. And today we are talking about The Last of Us Season 1 Episode 6 titled, very appropriately, Kin. Because uh, this episode's all about uh, becoming a family and families and it's it it's bittersweet. I, I will say... I feel like this was a nice, wholesome break from the last uh, everything that we've been through, but it, like yeah. it, it still brought a tear to my eye. Um, definitely funniest opening for this show, for sure. <laughs> that whole um, that was so funny. I love that with uh, classic Graham Greene, and then Elaine Miles plays the grandma. Um, that was great. That I was cracking up. Oh, for a, for a moment, I was really confused. I, was, I thought you were talking about the fact that it opened up with um, fucking Henry and Sam again because they had to remind oh. us. Oh, um, that maybe I blacked funny. out. <laughs> maybe I blacked out <laughs> until the funny part. You're right. This wasn't the cold. That wasn't like the very opening. Um, so <laughs> skipping that. Um, yeah, no, the that like. 
I feel like they wanted to give us a little bit of a sign that, like, out here in the rural parts of the world, like, it was very possible for people to just keep having a life. And I, that opening, oh my god, first of all, the old couple, 10 out of 10, like, I don't know who they are, I can't even remember their names, just their uh, I'm looking on IMDb, it's Marlon and Florence, uh, Marlon, of course, played by Graham Greene, who's oh. uh, just a fantastic actor, and then Elaine Miles. Uh, yeah, you made him soup? It's cold out. Oh my god, their exchange is so good, really just like... I have so many people, I'm sure, are like, yeah, that's my grandparents. They it, would talk like that. It's like peak old married couple. 100% mm-hmm. here for it. Um, I I just can't get over the entire vibe of this episode because we have them. And then, of course, when we get to Jackson, like, this is strangely the most peaceful episode of The Last of Us I think we've ever seen. And there was still a good amount of violence at the end. Like, people died. Um, but it's like, there's just something about like the pristine white snow, the open land, just like watching this sort of time skip happen and then seeing like how Joel and Ellie are like growing closer together throughout it. That's just like, oh, this is like more of a feel good episode. I can deal with this. You're definitely getting the sense that, um, you know, clearly not as much drama has happened in the last three months. So it really just has been them on the road and problem solving. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, just the back and forth between them is so good. It's so fun to watch. They have amazing chemistry on screen. They, I mean, like, it's great. I'm like, this was the episode that I, we really needed though, because a lot of this story really has to hinge on Joel and Ellie's relationship but lately because of the speed in which they're adapting the story and the way that the plot lines kind of flow together like we haven't had them really well established as a unit yet and even Mm -hmm. just being on the road together and seeing like yeah like the whole thing of like you taught me how to keep watch you fell asleep and I kept watching I did it well you should be proud. Like, that entire interaction is just yeah. 10 out of 10. And it really, like, for me, I'm just thinking, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's, um, it, it, that is a father-daughter right there. That That is what is going on. There is full caregiver vibes, and you can tell that they very much care for each other, which, of course, um, affects Joel in a couple ways. Uh, unfortunately, him being the manly macho man that he is uh, and does not know how to cope with his feelings. It, it doesn't affect him great. He starts having what I can only describe as like PTSD anxiety attacks throughout the episodes where every time there's something that could go wrong or he thinks that there might be something wrong that could be really dangerous and put Ellie in danger. He starts having these moments where he gets dizzy, needs to lean on something. You can't, he describes it as his heart is racing. Um, and it's just, yeah, like, I mean that scene where he is just like, obviously not feeling great. And he sees, oh, it's going to make me like cry. Just talking about it. <laughs> he sees someone that looks like it could be Sarah if she had never died. And she has a kid, which would make sense. She'd be like, be, like way beyond the age of like starting to have kids. Oh, yeah. And just like seeing that and thinking about like, what your world would be like if that hadn't happened. Oh my God, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, and it's, 
like he's just the, he's this poor old dude and like this episode he needed to have like there needed to be a moment of conflict where he had to make a choice whether or not to stay with Ellie and that's kind of what this whole episode really quietly was um I yeah, will say and I also oh Oh, sorry. You go ahead. No. Yeah. I will say, I think um, you and I talked about this beforehand, but it felt like the pacing of this episode was really weird because of that, as opposed to everything else that we've dealt with so far. I don't know if it was like uh, they were trying to get too much in because there were plenty of kind of like more quiet moments, but, and I feel if I feel dumb bringing it up when I can't really put my finger on it, but there was just something about, the pacing of this episode that felt a little off, it actually, I think it just felt kind of video game-y is the best way I can describe it. I still loved the episode, but for me, the pacing in this episode felt a little strange. You know, I I actually think I know what it is. At least for me, it felt like it should have ended earlier. And it felt like it should have ended specifically when they actually left town and Joel essentially chose to take Ellie with him. Um, Now, that being said, it seems like they had a plot point that they needed to hit in order to get to the next episode, which we will talk about because the next episode has some wild implications of things that people did not think we were going to see this season. But the actual... um, The actual way that this was done is the entire story arc really needed to be contained to Jackson. It's It was the idea that Jackson is the place where Joel and Ellie had to figure out what they were doing, what they were to each other. Um, and once that storyline concludes and they leave Jackson, the story for the episode is essentially done. The only thing that really happens is that they're like, okay, we need to get to this major point of conflict And it also is going to be contrasted against the decisions that they just made of the fact that, oh, Joel's the one that is terrified of losing Ellie, but he doesn't realize that Ellie is also terrified of losing Joel. And then we Mm -hmm. leave off with Joel's been shot, um, which narratively is a good place to end. But the issue is that they hit the end of that of the initial part of that story already. So, like, it feels weird and disjointed. Again, I, yeah, I, I think I would have to agree with that. Yeah, we, we have to throw some criticism in here because we are constantly, I think, gushing about this show. <laughs> I also, I think the thing that Jackson also did, um, just character development-wise, is it kind of gives you uh, something to hold Ellie up against and kind of highlight that, like, she's lived a really fucked up life and is, like, feral, <laughs> Oh, compared yeah. to these more like quote unquote normal, normally raised kids. I I think one of my favorite things is that um apparently there's supposed to be cameos from young versions of se- of season two characters in this episode. Um I've, I yes. I've seen some things from the uh from the second game that implies that uh Ellie's um without too much spoiling a certain friend of Ellie's is very much featured and even called out upon um, in this episode, which is great. So I feel like finger we all, we know that this is going to be two seasons. So whatever happens, it seems like we know that they're going to have some respite. And 
what a better place to get that respite than Jackson. Cause like, oh my, it, mm-hmm. it's such a cute little town. I love that it's a little communist town and Tommy like hasn't like after however many years he's been there or months hasn't put together that he's now a communist, which is fantastic. <laughs> I know. I love that that he's like, oh, um, I mean, I guess <laughs> it was like his reaction, which is so funny. Well, I he- also love um, Joel, his like kind of Texas accent, like a drawl kind of comes out a little bit more, which I thought was just a really cool kind of acting point because people definitely do that when they're around their family. Yeah. Um, the accent comes out a little bit more. Um, I really loved that. And yeah, Jackson was so cool. I think uh, in the after credits, so they filmed in like an actual little town. And yeah, it's. I mean, it's so nice. It does make me think like, oh God, it's too nice. Like- you know. Yeah, what's going to ha- I I am also like the entire time I was on edge. I'm like for the love of God, let them make it out of the town without the town getting like burned to the ground because technically yeah, speaking Yeah, I mean, so it definitely far- reminds me of um in Walking Dead, the like one town that they get to that's like really nice. I can't even remember the name of it. But you're like, this is just it's too, too nice. Good. It's going to get all fucked up. I also definitely want to shout out uh actress for Maria, Rutina Wesley, who was, like, my favorite character in True Blood. She was so good. Um, So I'm really happy to see her in this. I mean, like, yeah, I I have to agree with you on that. For Like, first of all, the town itself. um, The Walking Dead came to mind, specifically the governor, um, because Mm -hmm, I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure that is the arc that he was introduced. That is also, incidentally, where I stopped watching, because I'm just like, we just can't have anything nice in this television show, (laughs) which I'm glad that they didn't do in the storyline, because I feel like that's, um, I feel like it's a little played out to constantly be like, every place that you find in the apocalypse is awful, and there's no places of like peace or anything it's like no there would be some places that would figure it out and the story doesn't have to be your main characters coming through like a fucking typhoon and just bringing misfortune wherever they do for conflict like yeah the fact is that this was a perfect set piece for like an actual all for the most part internal and uh interpersonal conflict there was no there were no zombies or raiders coming in. Like there were raiders at the end of the episode. Sure. But like we haven't seen a clicker in a while. No. And it's, um, yeah, I I even liked at the very beginning when Joel and Tommy reunite, uh, you can, they show, um, Ellie and she's just not thrilled, which I think is like a two parter. It's, God, this guy I've been working on to try and open up is, like, so excited. I've never seen him like this. But then also, is she about to get, like, dumped? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, this was his main objective, and now here's the brother. And, you know, what is she going to do? She can't be left on her own. Um. So, I, yeah, there was just some really phenomenal acting uh, in this episode. I mean, yeah, and Ellie is really piecing it together as well. And you can, I agree, you can tell that that's an anxiety of hers going in. But it also seems like part of her doesn't want to believe that until she starts finding out about um, Sarah. Because when she finds out about Sarah from Maria, 
she really starts putting pieces together on like why Joel is acting the way that he is. And kind of like, it's funny because the characters, at least she seems to understand this, that like Joel is dipping out of responsibility because he's scared of losing her and like having to watch that. I don't, I mean, I don't know that she does. I also like, you know, what, what context has she ever lived in to have that? You know what I mean? I don't think she quite understands. And but I think learning about Sarah kind of gives her some insight. I, I for actually, sure. I actually think she does, mostly because she says something very particular in order to try and convince him to stay with her when she says that she's not her. She's not Sarah. It was a really hurtful thing to say in the moment, but it felt like the implication there was like, you can go with me because I'm not going to die. I'm strong. It was a really shitty thing to say. Um, but it's, but it still like has that weight to it of like, you don't have to watch your daughter die again, even if it literally means like, I'm not your daughter. So you don't have to worry about watching me die. Or if it means I'm not going to, or it be like, I'm stronger than her again. I, Ellie's a little feral child. So of course she like, she wouldn't (laughs) understand, Hey, that's not a great thing to say to someone. Um, but, like, she's right in that moment. Yeah. And, uh, I, oh, man, I went back and looked at the little memorial that they had that had Sarah's name on it. And the, uh, kid Kevin, so Maria's son, was just, like, six years old and lasted three days into the outbreak. I'm like, oh, my God, what's the story there? God. It's, yeah. So it's just... You know, the show does a really good job of you get a lot of these little characters that you meet for a very short period of time, but they just have such a rich history, just like the main characters. There's so much that has happened to them and that they have to overcome and deal with. Um, Yeah, it feels like, you know, there could be a million spinoffs just from little characters. Um, And then we also find out that, you know, Tommy um, is having a kid. Oh my gosh, what a, uh, like, and also the other thing is like, Tommy went through that trauma as well. So like, he knows damn well what it means to lose something. Yeah. He's watched his brother go through with it, which is definitely one of the reasons why I feel like Tommy is so hesitant. But I mm-hmm. also feel like it's, at least in the beginning, it, it, it just doesn't help that Joel is so emotionally distant and like, it's so strange because I wasn't expecting Tommy to have done all this work um, like as a person that Joel just hasn't. But like Joel just straight up doesn't tell him about tests in the beginning. And like it's not until they end up having like a one on one where like there's an apology and like Joel's crying that it actually like all comes out about everything that's happened, which. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit strategic because you know, how does he tell him about Tess without it snowballing into the whole thing? And not that I don't think, I mean, he obviously trusts his brother very much, but he he doesn't have, at that point, I feel like he doesn't have a firm grasp on, like, this town and everyone around them. And, like, he, you know, he's not trying to advertise everything that happened. That's true. Plus, I'm- it's also just easier to not say it. Yeah, I I feel like there's a lot more of the fact that I mean, it's very obvious 
from the character of Joel that he's he does not like to be emotionally vulnerable at all. So like mm -hmm. he may trust Tommy, but like it, it's something that's that's come up again and again that like Tommy is a joiner. He joins things it, like that. That's a bad way of saying it, but that's literally what they fucking say in the show. He's yeah. a joiner. He joins things. He doesn't really think about what he's doing. He just follows people blindly. So yeah, like, I mean, I think it's showing that like they both diff. Uh, deal with trauma in different ways where Tommy kind of reaches out and like finds comfort in a community and having people to lean on. Joel is like the opposite of that. He really just goes into himself and doesn't want to be around other people or involve other people in his trauma. That is the most wholesome way of saying what I was going to say, which is that it feels like Tommy would join a cult where Joel wouldn't. <laughs> or that sense of community. <laughs> but, like, honestly, that's where my anxieties were this episode. I was like, what has Tommy gotten himself into? But he's he's just gotten himself involved in a nice little communist town and is having a kid. Like, that's the... I'm... Uh, like, <sighs> this episode was whole, so wholesome. Yeah. I'm And, like... Yeah. Everything that we can say about the pacing, like, overall, this episode is, like, really what we needed, especially after last episode, because, oh my gosh. For sure. I mean, I definitely think, you know, there's so many things that happen in the show, but up to this point, I think this is what's going to get Pedro Pascal an Emmy nomination. Um, his vulnerability in this episode, when he has that monologue with Tommy, where he's just, like, he's scared, and he's realizing that he's getting older, he's not as quick as he used to be, which is, um, I mean, obviously, that's like a brutal thing for every human has to deal with as they get older, being like, oh, I can't do the things I used to do. But, you know, he feels like he's putting Ellie in danger by being the one to take her farther. Yeah. Um, and he feels like he really is doing her a service by getting Tommy to do it because he legitimately thinks she'll be safer. It's not like he's trying to get out of it. He just, he's full on scared of being the person or the reason that she gets hurt or killed. Yeah. And it's, yeah, he's definitely, because obviously he cares greatly for Ellie. I think he would be really, really happy in a situation where he didn't have to part with Ellie, but he also was like, I need to keep this promise to Tess. And yeah, like, like he says it perfectly and you just said it as well. Like he's a liability at this point. And it's, it's strange because I don't think that that's what ends up happening to, um, I don't think that's how he gets stabbed at the end of the episode. I think that that was like, it didn't seem like he let his guard down in a stupid way. It just seems, well, actually, that's not true because it seems like she saw the person behind, like, rushing them from behind before he was able to Yeah, but to I mean, them. she was looking in that direction, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Like, she had a six. He, It's just the issue of, like, he turns around and, like, he gets overpowered. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's a good anxiety to have. He's an old guy and he gets stabbed by what is seemingly a much younger dude. Yeah, and they, um, and then... <sighs> Of course, to bring up their the fight that they have in her room. Ugh. When he says, you aren't my daughter, I sure ain't your dad. Ugh. That's such a fucking lie, my dude. <laughs> ah! 
I, it, and then she she's like, everyone I've ever cared about has either either died or left me, and except for you, and she shoves him. Oh, it's so good. I mean, and it's it's just a great it's a great script. That was all straight from uh, straight from the game, straight from the game, and a lot of people were anticipating this, and I think they really nailed the emotion. I in the, that scene. They both deserve Emmys for this. I will say the way the speed in which this show has taken off strictly from their performances and the writing and just the general word of mouth rave of this. It was like, oh, this is the second biggest thing to game with to uh, House of the Dragons premiere. Um, Now, House of the Dragons dwarfed this in numbers for its premiere, but it was still the second biggest. Mm -hmm. But then. At the same time, unlike other TV shows, including House of the Dragons, this is one of the only shows recorded to ever have more viewers per episode released than the previous episodes. Like, more people are coming in week after week after week, strictly because, again, no one was, like, everyone was kind of holding out, being like, I don't know what this will be good. It's a video game adaptation. Boo, I don't like video games. And then slowly yeah. coming to over to the side and being like, oh my God, I'm I'm sobbing. Um Yeah, which, or it's I mean it's a bit of an oversaturated uh topic, kind of like general zombie movies. Um yeah. and it's not I mean it it is unique in its storyline, but it's not unique and like like it's no Shaun of the Dead where it's like yeah we're doing a whole new twist on this storyline it isn't it just has absolutely phenomenal writing and characters that you deeply care about yeah um so yeah I mean that yeah that's a fantastic scene it shows a lot of their growth it shows how much they both really care about each other because you're not going to fight like that with someone that you don't care about um and it does show the kind of difference because Ellie and Joel, I feel like, are two of the same. But at least Ellie lays it on the table of, like, I like I need you and, like, I care about you, um, you know, as much as she can. Yeah. Uh, and then she also obviously makes it clear and is so happy when he's there the next morning. I and he's know. like, well, you have a choice. And she, like, shoves the bag and it lets go. <laughs> <laughs> like, without a beat. I think... One of the interesting things for me is, like, Joel is presented as, uh, first of like, I'm saying this, like, fully, non-ironically, he's an extremely masculine character, um, it, both in, like, Yeah, and you know what? TikTok edits will not let me forget <laughs> it. I'll tell you that. I don't oh. even think I've liked a single one because I, I have to, I have to live my life. I, so I can't be watching these all day and they still keep coming at me nonstop Pedro Pascal edits and I need it to stop. It's just just as an aside. Alex is getting bombarded by the Pedro Pascal thirst. It's like, please, please, no. No, I but I mean yeah. I love them, but please, I have to I have to go on with my day. You can't stop me every time. But no, mm-hmm. he's he's an extremely masculine character, and I think what's interesting about that is with the writing, you see forms of masculinity that are both um, extremely healthy and also ones that are extremely unhealthy. So, for example, not being able to emotionally communicate um, 
unless it's with someone that is extremely, extremely close to you. And even then, it takes a lot of like prying fingers in order to get it done. Like that's some that's a trait that we usually associate with masculinity, even though it's not necessarily a healthy trait. However, the elements of like the amount of protection that he provides, the way that he looks out for other people, like those and just kind of everything else that kind of falls under the umbrella of masculinity is something that's very summed up really well in Joel's character. Um, So he has both of the good and the bad in there. And interestingly enough, I feel like a lot of the bad are some of the things that like the problems that it seems like Ellie has aren't necessarily linked to masculinity um, because she is able to be like out front with Joel about what's going on. Um, But at the same time, it also seems like she can um, she she can be a little fucking menace. But they're just not the same thing. So I just yeah, find that, I mean like, yeah, that scene really where they're eating, it's just so cl- it. It's funny because I'm sure you know when they're on the road, her being kind of like again feral, <laughs> and uh, very like independent and stuff. It kind of is helpful. But then he's realizing in the context of them like eating, he's like, oh my god, this girl ain't been raised right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's like oh lord this is uh okay slow down there we got it Um, she's like i've never had a real meal this is amazing yeah and he yeah you can definitely see like the dad bit going off where he's like oh my god like what have you're like this reflects poorly on me (laughs) (laughs) it's i'm so, like, I will say, this is, um, I guess, minor spoilers. Joel lives. Um, if, like, whatever happens with the stab mark, we know, we know that he makes it out. Because, for lack of a better term, plot armor, but also, like, if you have ever existed online, he's in the second game. Um, it, like, that is the thing. We, we know that we will see an older Joel at some point. Um, so whatever's going to happen with the stabbing, um, they will find a way to resolve it. But, uh, till then, it looks like we're getting an Ellie flashback episode, which is very exciting. And I am horrified. Yeah. I mean, it's, you saw bits of it in, um, I don't know if it was in the original trailer. I think it was, but you see her and Riley. Uh, so we kind of have known this has been coming, um, but was it going to be flashbacks within an episode, a whole episode on its own? Wasn't clear, but it seems like we're going to get a whole episode kind of to sum up uh, Last of Us Left Behind, which was a spinoff game that came out after the original one. Um, and, and, yeah, it's... um. It seems like they're doing the whole thing. It's going to happen. I don't want it's, to... It's sure going to happen. I know from... Uh, and uh, who uh, we were speaking earlier, we said uh, our compatriot uh, said that he thinks every uh, other episode or the odd number episodes are the big sads. And, yes. Um, Jose Yeah, number seven, that's an odd number. So. Yeah. Honestly, I was just thinking about this. I think that there's actually a very narratively sound reason for them doing it at every other episode. And it's 
I think it might actually be in a lot more television than we give it credit for. It's just really obvious in The Last of Us because of how emotional the story is. Because like, um, and this was, Jose mentioned this last episode. This was this was his whole thing of just like, I think every, I think the odd number of episodes are cursed. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's, that sounds about right. Yeah, Jose is definitely onto something. Uh, it does, I, I'm sure it also has to do with just like, uh, you know, having to have your kind of ups and downs of exposition versus well, action. Um, I would actually attribute it not to exposition versus action, but emotional charge. Um, so mm-hmm. there's this idea in it, there's this idea in writing specifically. Uh, it's a term I think Robert McKee coined about positive and negative emotional charge in a story. So the idea mm-hmm. is that every beat within a story you need to end on a positive and then go to a negative. End on a positive is positive and then go to a negative. Um, uh, end on a positive, then end on a negative. Excuse me. You, the idea is that you don't want an entire story crashing down negatively, and you don't want an entire story progressing positively. For each give, there must be take. Um, but the reason why this is so obvious in The Last of Us is because every time there's a take, we sop. Um, and even sometimes when things are generally good, it is coded in bittersweetness. So Mm -hmm. like, even when there is a win and like something's happening and like things are progressing, there's still something about it that is ultimately pretty sad. Um, however, the sads. I mean, well, they live in a sad world. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's a bleak story. Even everything that happens that's like good or happy or whatever in this story, the, the, and uh, even Joel has brought this up before. It's like, or I guess not really brought it up, but he kind of alludes to it where it's like, oh God, what a bummer that this is happy because the world sucks so much. This should be just the norm. Um, yeah, it's yeah, and then also not to just gloss over the end because we thought it should have ended earlier, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we we got to find out like what's happening to the fireflies. Are they in Salt Lake? Uh, what's going on in the <laughs> in the game? Joel actually falls and uh, is impaled by rebar. Oh my um, god! Okay. Yeah, he's not That's... stabbed by a broken. That it involves raiders, like he doesn't just like trick. Oh, on okay, cool. But he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That he would, doesn't just old man Joel it and so, fall into him. That pit. would be silly. Um, yeah, which also makes me think I saw some horrific. Video. Apparently, that's like a a common way to like be injured. Um, and they there are things that like uh, they've created to like cover rebar so that you can't be impaled on it so just like new fear unlocked for all of you guys um if you're ever near a construction site don't fall over onto rebar (laughs) might be good advice in general um yeah yeah. also very cool that they the monkeys are in the game as well so i i like that they kept the monkeys in i the monkeys were a nice thing when we got there i'm so i'm so curious because it feels like we actually have a lot of story left to cover because, like, I don't know if this is a 10-episode series or an 8-episode series. I'm hoping it's a 10, based off of everything that's going on. Because it feels um, like It's we... nine episodes. It's nine. Okay, that... Oh, no, it ends on an odd number. Yeah. No! Ah! 
Okay. Well, um, stay tuned for that, I guess. Uh, yeah. So I know. So that's that wild. That we have three episodes left. It's it's been a hell of a season. I'm I'm super stoked with this. I guess we will just sort of carry through. And um, when oh boy, it's, it's also like it's how many more episodes can we expect from them? All of like most of uh, what's the average length for the episodes? It has to be an hour. The shortest I, one has been 45 minutes, and we had that, like, once or twice. Everything else has been an hour plus. So it's yeah. like, they're, they are getting a lot of story into the episodes. They're long. Like, we're, we've watched several movies. That is fair. I think we'll get there. Now that I know... It- now that I know that it's nine episodes and not eight, I feel way better because I was like, oh, a flashback. And then what, we're going to wrap this up in one? No, it's going to be a flashback. And then two episodes for like, for lack of a better term, a final like arc and like. Yeah, the rest of I the would really like to know how many seasons they plan on doing. I've heard only- it's not a mini series, so. I've only heard two so far and that the second one is supposedly doing the second game, Um, which I know nothing about. I know very little about the second game. I know some of the base premises. I know some of the characters. I know some of the less unfortunate events that happened there. Um, I know that there's something about a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so it's like. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. They I have to give them they could have stretched this out longer. You know what I mean? And I I think we're definitely coming into this renaissance with TV where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to try and get as many seasons out of this as possible. I mean, it feels like a lot of shows come in with like Yes, we're doing five seasons. That's it. That's the whole story. Like, they have a story arc already, um, which is why we're getting such good TV. Yeah, I think it's a... um, All thriller, no filler, man. Yeah, I I think it's a... We've been in this renaissance for a bit, and there's no going away from it. Like, honestly, the biggest problems that we're experiencing right now is slowly streaming is turning back into cable, which yeah. I don't think will necessarily hurt um, the new television model because the new television model people love. We love that we have new content that we can consume. We love that the writing's really good. And people are far less interested in watching the same comfort show over and over again as opposed to experiencing a really good story. Because up until television had the budget to start doing this, television was a really passive media and that's just not the case anymore. This is such an active uh, part of so many people's lives now. And I think game of Thrones really ushered in that era and HBO has been kind of at the leading forefront of this for a while. So HBO at least is not going to be backing down from their single storytelling anytime soon. No. And they, yeah, I think HBO is, they are really coming out on top as far as streaming services are concerned. Netflix definitely feels like it's in, it's been in a downward spiral for a while. I mean, because of the, I mean, just like talking about the quality of the shows and then, I mean, like they're getting rid of arrested development off of, I mean, you said like people aren't interested, but I mean, I'm not personally like this, but I know plenty of people who like pick a show and, 
and just have it on in the background when they're doing stuff or like to go to sleep. And if you start getting rid of those shows, like that's kind of the big appeal of streaming for people like that. That's Um, fair. I will say um, as an addendum to my statement, um, it is not the only way to consume media, consume television anymore. Yeah, I it's, we're, it seems like we're coming to a crossroads of they've so much content has been being pumped out. I mean, the, I, there are shows that I've seen advertisements where it's like the eighth season. I'm like, I've literally never heard of this show before. <laughs> and it's on its eighth season. Like, I, I, I don't know how um, I don't know how people decide what to renew and what doesn't. Netflix seems to have the strangest protocol about that. Um, it seems like HBO doesn't try to milk things. It seems like HBO tries to actually tell a good story, which, yeah, I, I'd have to agree though. HBO Max, like say what you will about all the problems that they're having with their recent merger. It's still phenomenal. Like, yeah, the content's great. I have to say, I, uh, I've been watching The Staircase, which came out a couple months ago, um, on HBO and that has been very good. Uh, so yeah, it's... HBO really, they put out less, but the quality is usually very high. So, Absolutely. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap it up for today. Thanks for sticking around and watching. This has been the return of the show. We'll see you next week for episode seven of The Last of Us. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hey, it's Ben here. Haven't done one of these in a while, but just a quick reminder that if you are following, go ahead and make sure you leave us a review on your favorite podcatcher of choice. It does help people find the show. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. It is where all of our content is, and we're really close to monetization. Thanks. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.